Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsoring partner, the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. CBMA is a national membership network that's built a vibrant community of over 5,700 members and more than 2,700 organizations that's been working together over the past decade to build beloved communities across America where black men and boys are healthy, thriving, and enabled to achieve their fullest potential. If you're interested in learning more, hop on over right now to tbpod.com slash partners and consider joining the membership or donating to help them scale the impact of this growing field of black male achievement. You're listening to the trailblazers.fm podcast, where we'll explore the stories of today's successful black professionals, entrepreneurs, and leaders. Join us to access the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished professionals and come away with the know-how, confidence, and motivation you'll need to blaze your trail. And now here's your host, Stephen A. Hart. Hello, and welcome back to trailblazers.fm. Our featured guest today is no stranger to the platform. We're talking today with Alfred Edmond Jr., who is back for his third episode on the Trailblazers podcast. He's previously on episodes 80 and episode 107 last year. And for those of you who had not yet listened to either of those episodes, going to encourage you to go back and binge on those two. But to give you a short bio of Alfred, he's the senior vice president and executive editor at large of Black Enterprise. A year ago, Alfred and I shared in a discussion about a few of the Black business legends who paved the path for today's generation, shared their stories, his connection to them, and several Black business books that we should be reading to learn more about these legends. In that episode, we also talked about five business legends, A.G. Gaston, Reginald Lewis, Herman J. Russell, Earl Gray Sr. and Janice Bryant Howroyd. And that's the episode that actually fueled me to reach out to and then bring Janice Bryant Howroyd on the podcast last fall. So Alfred's also planting those seeds. But there's something he said to me, I believe in preparation for last year's episode 107. He shared that, you know, we often celebrate athletes, civil rights leaders and others during Black History Month, but there's very often a very little conversation that happens about Black legacy in business. And that stuck with me. And I really enjoyed, as well as many of you enjoyed, the first Black Biz Legends episode that we did in 107, episode 107 last year. And so I asked Alfred to come back for part two. And so I hope you will enjoy today's episode as much as I have. Let's get set to receive today's mission field and Black History Month wisdom from our featured guest and friend, Alfred Edmund Jr. Alfred Edmund Jr. Welcome back, my brother. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me back. You know, I love coming on the show. Just one of the best podcasts out there, man. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. So a year ago, I saw you sharing on LinkedIn, I believe, some amazing nuggets of wisdom about Black business legends and had a blank episode. Didn't know why I was holding it open. Normally, I have episodes recorded, you know, months out. Right. And you know, my spirit just spoke to me and I reached out to you and said, hey, let's do it. And I just shared with you a minute ago, it's one of our top five most downloaded episodes of last year. And so I thought, well, you know what? It'd be great to have Alfred back on to continue this trend and share some more business legends. Well, actually, you know, last year, he inspired 
Janice Bryant Howard to come on. Oh, yeah. She's the bomb, man. Yes. She is amazing. Appreciate that. So let's bring some of that goodness. Well, first of all, I want to thank you again, because this is a personal passion of mine. You know, every Black History Month, you know, we celebrate athletes and civil rights leaders and artists, and they all should be celebrated. So this is not to throw shade on the other areas of Black, African, Caribbean, African-American achievement during this month. It's important. But my pet peeve as a longtime executive editor of Black Enterprise is that too often we overlook our legacy as entrepreneurs, business owners, executives. We have just as deep a legacy in those areas. So I was so happy last year. I'm happy to be back just to talk about a few of the people that during Black History Month and certainly year round, we should know because they had impact not just on Black communities and Black business, but they, in many cases, changed American business in many ways. So so last year, I think we talked about Reggie Lewis. We talked about Janice Bryant Howroy. Earl Graves, the founder of Black Enterprise, yes. if I remember correctly. So this year, I want to talk about a few more people. Yes. And actually, interestingly enough, I told you we brought on Janice Brandt. We actually have Christina Lewis Halpern coming on in a couple oh, weeks, yeah. who is the daughter of Reggie <laughs> Lewis. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that was amazing. So you planted seeds, brother. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm happy to hear you. It's bearing good fruit. So the first person I want to talk about and it's on my mind because of the Grammys yesterday. Yes. It's Barry Gordy. Of course, yes. The Grammys did their tribute to Motown's 50th anniversary. I have my own opinions about whether that you have that tribute handled, but we won't go there tonight <laughs> or today. But the point is, Barry Gordy is an icon, not just a black business, not just a black history, but American business, American industry, mm. impacting everything from fashion to music to mm-hmm. film. I mean, you're talking about a whole mindset, a whole export business in terms of American culture that influenced the whole world. And he founded Motown, of course, based on the hometown city of Detroit, where it was founded in 1959. And, you know, you got to understand that this was, we think of people like Russell Simmons or Diddy and other recording industry artists who also expanded into film and fashion and other areas. Mm-hmm. The prototype for that was Barry Gordon. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know about, you know, Temptations and the Diana Ross and the Supremes and all those great acts, the Jackson Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But think about, for example, fashion. Barry Gordy took these groups that for the most part were, you know, African-Americans from urban centers and took them to charm school and got mm-hmm. them to dress, real, you know, fly because he was preparing them to move from what was, you know, the limited performance venues like, you know, what was called the Chitlin Circuit, mm-hmm. small urban venues and cities around the country the Apollo theaters, the Fox theaters, if you will, but to get them so they can perform at Vegas, they can perform wow. at Cabana. His thing was, we're going to package authentic African-American R&B soul and culture, but package yeah. it in such a way that it would be accepted and embraced by the mainstream. And that's what became the Motown sound. Wow. So we already know what that meant for music. Yeah. Okay? I mean, for generations of music. Then, but think about, I'm going to think about two other areas. I'm going to talk about fashion. Think of Diana Ross in Mahogany. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about what the Supremes wore, or what the Temptations wore, and what style and class and performance was wow. supposed to be like. And think about how that influenced everyone for whether it's Elvis Presley, Tom Jones. There was a way to present on stage mm-hmm. beyond just singing. And there was a way to communicate a certain amount of class and style and coolness and soulfulness 
and the way you moved on stage that impacted yeah. several generations, including down to now groups like Boys to Men. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or Unvogue, Chic, all of those groups are part of that legacy. Right. But that started with Barry Gordy and the Motown Sound. Wow. Then add on top of that film, mm. again, Mahogany. He put Richard Pryor in films. I mean, really? wow. idea I didn't know that. Motown making films. And that's yeah. when Motown eventually relocated to Los Angeles to mm. be a 360 degree entertainment company that was built around this culture of Motown. It's just an incredible, incredible story. And that we still have Barry Gordy, who was at the here to tell the tale. Yeah, yeah. We honored him at a, at a you know, Black Enterprise event with our Lifetime Achievement Award several years ago, the A.G. Gaston Award. It just talks about these are living iconic legends like Janet Harroy yes. that you mentioned earlier. Now, for the Black Enterprise that's ranked the nation's largest Black-owned businesses for the last, well, since 1973. Long time, yeah. For the first decade, Motown was always number one. Wow. It was like the largest Black-owned business in the country, basically until he sold the company off. Until wow. he And then even then, he still owned the music catalog, which he held <laughs> on for a long time before he sold that off. So you're talking about multiple entities of major value in the marketplace that came from just, you know, Hitsville, USA, <laughs> in Detroit, House of Detroit is now a museum, you know, it's a museum in Detroit, Yeah, that created this culture and created this enterprise and created Barry Gordy as a living legend of black. Living legend. Yeah. No. Wow. So you can't appreciate, you know, everybody from Diddy to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, even Prince and Michael Jackson. I was thinking that. Yeah. Ones that you see now, you got to go back through what Barry Gordy created when he created Motown. Yeah. You know, and look at other musical movements that echo that. The Philadelphia sound out of Philadelphia, Stax and out of Memphis with Isaac Hayes. So it became a prototype. And there was a time in the BE 100s where there were seven to eight black owned record companies that were the largest black owned businesses because they figured out a way to package entertainment in such a way that it was true to black culture, but embraceable by the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And it revolutionized American music. That is large part Barry Gordy. I love that, man. That's a blueprint for positioning and packaging. Like you said, I mean, you think of taking some of these acts from just, you know, ordinary to extraordinary on a higher level with all of what you just shared and coming forward to today i'm thinking of so many people who have been able to cross over weren't thinking back to him being the reason why right and think about the icons that came out of the motown sound of course the late queen of soul aretha franklin gladys knight we already talked about diana ross and the supremes i mean the commodores lionel richie i mean you can go on and on and on and on the temptations the four tops by the way, their music still stands the test of time today, both yes. commercially and artistically. Oh, that so, stands the test of time forever. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that was a vision of what it meant to put together and then monetize that as a legitimate business. At a time, obviously, you know, I mean, not that it's ever easy to be a Black-owned business or be a business in general, but we're talking about a very enterprising man in Detroit in the 50s, mm-hmm. Yeah. 60s getting this off the ground and building this out to what it be. Now it's iconic today, 50 years later and being recognized at the Grammys, et cetera. Love and it, man. Reward the recognition that Diana Ross got. Yes. Who she's about to turn 75 and she just still looks like amazing, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man, you got to look at, if you're talking about black business history, black history month in general, 
you got to look at Barry Gordy, man. It's an amazing, amazing story. Yeah. So who do we want to go to next? I want to talk about, let's move into the world of advertising. And we don't necessarily always recognize, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, the force that Black-owned ad agencies were in terms of driving Black media, Black business creation, and Black imagery and messaging. And one of the major, major giants that you should know about, who's also still alive, another living legend out of Chicago, is Tom Burrell and Burrell Advertising Agency. We founded the agency in 1971, built it into one of the most influential ad agencies in general. Mm-hmm. And of course, one of the number one black ad agencies in particular, he's in the Advertising Hall of Fame, not the Black Advertising Hall of Fame, the Advertising Advertising Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He wrote the book, I think it's called Brainwashed. And it's a really deep study in terms of how advertising messages have shaped perceptions of black Americans, both in the minds of black Americans and the general population, both for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. Very cerebral brother out of Chicago. If you want to really have an appreciation of black business history, you got to understand and appreciate Tom Burrell and the Burrell Advertising Agency. I feel like I came across his name and I need to do more research on him. I'm glad you brought him up. As a guy in marketing, I should know more about him. So. He's a brilliant man. I mean, yeah. you know, a brilliant, brilliant man. I mean, he redefined the industry and he had clients, I mean, like mainstream clients, Bacardi, Verizon, Sears, McDonald's, Toyota groundbreaking advertising campaigns. In fact, him, along with Byron Lewis of Uniworld, another peer and another giant in the African-Americans in the advertising industry, really laid the groundwork in partnership with publishers like John Johnson of Ebony and, of course, Earl Graves of Black Enterprise and Ed Lewis and Clarence Smith, at Essence. Mm-hmm. This dual effect of Black-owned media platforms that broaden the perception of who Black people are beyond mm-hmm. what mainstream media is willing to look at that we're achievers, that across all industries, that we're more than athletes, entertainers. Then you had advertising agencies that created the imagery and the messaging that mainstream agencies were not prepared to do to figure out how do you translate what driving a Cadillac or eating at McDonald's means to an African-American audience in a way that monetizes it for the client, McDonald's, mm-hmm. creates revenue for the agency, which creates the rise of the Black ad agency, but also creates the revenue necessary to build Black media. Wow. So when you look at the heyday, certainly before everything changed with digital, obviously, but mm-hmm. you know when you look at every pretty much from the 1970s where Black Enterprise Essence was founded, Ebony of course already existed, and you look at that arc through the early 2000s before the digital revolution really took place in terms of media, you couldn't get there without Black ad agencies, and you can't get there without understanding the contributions of Tom Burrell. Wow, just amazing! And for your listeners, I wanted to let you know. As you said, this is part of a series that I do every year on social media. Yes. I did it on LinkedIn, as you saw, but it lives on Instagram. So if your listeners look for the hashtag Black Biz Legend, without the S, Black Biz Legend, you will see posts of these people with famous quotes that they made, as well as little summaries of who they are. It's like a little history book on Instagram that I built over time. Throw out your handle for IG. Real oh, quick for everyone. It's always Alfred Edmund Jr. <laughs> Alfred, E-D-M-O-N-D-J-R. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I'm the same everywhere, so I'm easy to find. But a branding tip for everybody right there. Keep yeah, it on yeah, don't confuse across people. social channels. That's exactly. right. Yeah, but yeah, that hashtag Black Biz Legend. Everybody I talked about last year, everybody I'm talking about on today's show, and I'm always adding people as we tell their stories because it's important to know that our excellence as business leaders 
as entrepreneurs, as founders, as innovators is not rare and it's Mm -hmm. not unusual. Mm -hmm. We have a legacy to stand on. And it's very, very important that we understand and appreciate that legacy but more importantly, that we pass that legacy on to each other to future generations. Right. Because um, I think, too, we need to go back and read the books that some of these people have taken the time to share their wisdom and knowledge oh. and experiences and not recreate the wheel. Right. Absolutely. Because sometimes we think that, you know, what we're experiencing today is new. And I think, you know, Tom Burrell, even though you mentioned the transition to digital, I think there's so much fundamental elements to marketing and advertising that if you're in that space, you could pick up wisdom that you can apply today by listening to this guy's story. Right? Oh, yeah. And beyond that, and in fact, one of the things I'll send you the link to, you know, for you to share as you wish. But in addition to me doing these Black Biz Legend social media posts, I've also maintained on BlackEnterprise.com a list of Black business biographies. It's not complete, but it's a really good list. Wow. Book. Yeah, John I'd love to see that. Book. Yeah. A.G. Gaston's Black Titan biography. Because these men and women mm-hmm. have told their stories autobiographically, and they it's like going to business school. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're right. There are great books to be read. And to that point, I want to bring up another person. His name is Comer Cottrell. You're probably too young to remember, but I'm not. There was a time when the black hair care business, black-owned companies in that industry dominated black business. Mm. Uh, when you talk about soft sheen, when you're talking about M&M products, and in the case of Comer Cottrell, it was Proline Cosmetics out of Dallas, Texas. He has a great business book that's worth reading. I'm trying to see if I can remember the title. But if you look up Comer Cottrell, C-O-M-E-R-C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L, you'll find his biography. Wow. It's a brilliant book about what it took to build this black hair care products company. We're talking about the age of the jerry curl and <laughs> before that, the popularization of the Afro that became kind of the economic catalyst for the creation of these Black-owned hair care products companies that built tremendous wealth and dominated the BE100s, particularly through the late 70s into the early to mid-90s before they eventually got acquired by larger businesses like the L'Oreal's of the world. But ProLine Corp was founded in 1970. He had made his first million in sales three years later. That's how fast that company grew. He took the jury curl. His thing is he didn't invent the jury curl, but in 1979, he was one of the first companies to take the jury curl out of salons and create a kit where people could do it themselves at home, which was another big reason why the business boomed. The other thing is that he was a major force in terms of financing civil rights activism. He was one of the first minority owners of a major sports team because he was a part owner of the Texas Rangers. Oh, wow. That was, you know, a groundbreaking achievement in the 80s. He was a part owner. In fact, George W. Bush was also a part owner of the Texas Rangers at the time. And he turned that $3 million or it was a $500,000 investment in the team into a $3 million profit. Wow. So again, savvy business person all the way through. Yeah. And the other thing about these black business leaders, and you probably got it from even from Janice Bryan Howroyd, and it was certainly true at Reg Lewis. One of the common themes is they always leverage their wealth to have impact beyond their own families. Absolutely. They, they always did. It's not an exception to the rule. They never looked at it as, I'm going to get big, I'm going to become a millionaire, a multimillionaire, and a billionaire. And I'm just going to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. if, there's if impact. That's a person. You can see them having an impact. Absolutely. In the case of Cottrell, Paul Quinn College, Black-owned HBCU, was about to go under. And he literally, practically single-handedly led the campaign with money out of his own pocket, as well as leveraging his relationships with others to save that school, which still exists today in Waco, Texas. Wow. We to a new campus, the whole nine. 
I mean, so when you talk about the connection between black entrepreneurs like A.G. Gaston, who financed the civil rights movements behind the scene, behind Dr. King, Earl G. Graves, founder of Black Enterprise, who now, of course, the business school at Morgan State University is named after him because he was their biggest champion. Janice Bryant Howard, who's a proud graduate of MC a and T yeah. and makes no bones about it and loves yes. news and leverage. Hardcore Aggies. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, she goes super hard for the Aggies, you know. So these are people who say, well, I kind of graduated from that now that I've reached this echelon. So these are people who said, I made it here and I'm using that to read feedback into those institutions that brought me forward. And Homer Cottrell, here's the thing, you know, Stephen, I get excited. You see how I'm like jumping out of my seat? <laughs> because I am blessed to say that I have gotten to know and spent Many intimate these time people. talking with these people and learning. Isn't that a blessing, man? And have them pour into me as a young man. And, yeah. you know, Coma Cottrell, you know, used to hug on me like a long lost nephew every time he saw me. <laughs> you know, I mean, these are, you know, I don't want to make it sound like they're all saints or they're all lovely people. No. But in my experience over the years at BE, people like Tom Burrell, people like Coma Cottrell, People like Barry Gordy, who I didn't know as well as I knew the other two, you know, they really bought into this idea that my success doesn't mean much if I'm not using it to leverage broader success in the community as a whole. In some way, shape or form, whether it's supporting a school, whether it's providing job opportunities, whether it's providing contracts to other black owned businesses, it's a common thread that it just makes you feel good about celebrating their contributions, particularly during Black History Month. Mm -hmm. Love it, man. You took me to school on that one. Yeah, man. Again, I cover a lot of this stuff. If you, Again, Black Biz Legends, it includes a post, yeah. a quote, but then, you know, the write-up will give you a summary. It's the excerpts of articles we've done in Black Enterprise Magazine, but my goal was to use social media to aggregate them in one place so that you could find them and read about them at your leisure. And again, I add to them as they go, but it's just wonderful, wonderful stories. Love it. I want to close out with someone, another living legend that everyone knows. The founder of Radio One, TV One, Kathy Hughes. Kathy Hughes. You know. Somebody I want. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hopefully maybe we'll do like we guess Brian Howroyd. We'll be yes. doing this time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful woman. She got a Women of Power Legacy Award at our Women of Power Summit a few years ago. And this is a woman that, one, this is the woman that pioneered the Quiet Storm format. Mm-hmm. out of D.C. at our university radio station that we now accept as a mainstream element of urban radio. She is the creator of that format. But this is someone who was literally went from sleeping on the floor in the radio station because she lost her housing. And it was her and her son, Alfred, Alfred Lickens III, who is now CEO mm-hmm. and chairman of their company. And she went from that to what we know now, one of the largest media companies, publicly traded companies in the history of America and certainly in the history of Black America. An amazing woman, a journalist herself. For a long time on TV One, she hosted her own interview show, interviewing you know the best and the brightest across so many different industries. Just a giant, especially if Black women entrepreneurs. You need to know who Kathy Hughes is. Yes, absolutely. She is you. She's not someone who was like, got a business handed to her or married rich and ended up, she's literally someone who built this from the ground, from the ground up from practically mm-hmm. nothing. When she spoke at the Women of Power Summit, she talked about how many times she was told no when she was trying to get banks to pay attention to her. No, no, no. And she's like, I just kept going until I finally got the yes. Mm-hmm. No. And I'm not telling this story nearly as well as she does because I think she's a great storyteller. That's why I hope you do get her on your show. <laughs> she's a great storyteller. You know, so again, 
when we talk about black business history, and I'm going to emphasize this, just like we had Janice Bryan Howroyd, Kathy Hughes and Janice Bryan Howroyd can put their resume up against any dude. Anybody. 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 You know, in terms of the kinds of businesses they built and the brilliance they brought to the table. Yeah. So she's just another black biz legend that we should know. We should know. We should be talking about. We should be celebrating. And in this case, all of the people that I've named for this particular show are still with us. That's a blessing. So they're living legends. I know That's last show, you know, yeah. Lewis, of course, had passed. Jennifer yeah. Brian Howard is still with us. But at this time, I was like, let me, you know, John Johnson had passed. I think I talked about him last time. But this is not ancient history. You don't have to go back to, you know, Booker T. Washington or, you know, Frederick Douglass for these stories. These people have built these businesses and had this impact, mm-hmm. the continuing impact in our lifetimes. So it's history, but it's history that's still unfolding. Mm-hmm. So we have even should have even more of an incentive to learn about them, to talk about them, to teach them. And I need to emphasize Black History Month is not for Black people. We're supposed to be celebrating our history and ourselves all the year round, all the time. So we should be talking about the Kathy Hughes and the Tom Burrells and the Comer Cottrells of the world just because that we need to be celebrating and teaching ourselves and future generations about us. Mm -hmm. But it's important for other Americans, people of other cultures around the world to know who Kathy Hughes is, who Comer Cottrell is who Tom Burrell is, and I should make a correction, Coma Control is not still with us. So three out of the four people I talked about okay. is not with us. But to know who they are and to realize, for the most part, they have been impacted by them just as much as Black people have. I mean, you look at the radio industry and music in general, both in the case of Motown and the case of Radio 1 and TV 1, those companies are, became impacted. as big as they are because non-Black people right. became, impacted became by consumers of their product and content. Right. Right. And the largest Black-owned businesses today, unlike, you know, 50 years ago or 40 years ago, they're not limited to serving the Black consumer market. That's how they got to be as big as they are. Mm-hmm. So these are people, just like the, the people we talked about the last time I was on your show, or last year when we talked about these icons, they're Black history figures because of their impact, both as representatives of the Black community, but also far beyond. You know, we as you said, that, I think, Alfred, I think of the fact that Maybe even if their target audience were the black community, their products, some of the things you touched on before, the product, the packaging, the experience that goes into developing these businesses made it attractive to people even beyond their target audience. Well, with Barry Gordy, it was very, very intentional. Right. It was like, his thing was, I'm going to take the sound of R&B and soul and blues and package it. It's always been in the black community. In fact, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's always been there. It's one of the few original American art forms, as well as jazz and gospel. His thing was, I'm going to keep it authentic to the people who created it, but I'm going to package it for the mainstream for, for mainstream acceptance. Right. So that you can you don't have to go to the Apollo Theater or just to the Apollo Theater to see the temptations. Yeah. You can go to a Las Vegas stage and you think of the acts. It used to be a breakthrough when a black act could perform in a casino in Las Vegas or in Atlantic City. Right. Now, I just came last weekend. I was at a show, great show, that Jagger Edge and 112 did. Really? At Harris in Atlantic City. Wow. So, so again, they may or may not be aware of the barriers that had been broken, but it was a big deal the first time the Temptations could perform in a venue like that. Or, yeah. or Diana Ross and Supremes in those venues and be classier 
you know, with the choreography and the hair and the suits and the smoothness and the, yeah. that wasn't an accident. The whole thing, the whole the package. The whole thing. Yeah. To, to raise the bar. So now when you see people like Tony Braxton and, you know, doing a thing in Vegas or Boys to Men, think of all the acts mm-hmm. that are, you know, in vogue that are, whether they're in Atlantic City or Las Vegas, doing a stint. Mm-hmm. Those barriers were broken down by a man that said, no, this is not just something that only black people should appreciate. Somebody blazed that trail for you. Somebody blazed <laughs> that trail. And in each case of these four icons that we talked about for this show, they blazed trails that I won't say that we take them for granted. I don't think it's fair. No, nah, but, but I you think know what? that top we, of mind. We have you know, it's not top of mind. We're right. not always doing enough to draw the line between what Barry Gordy did, what Kathy Hughes did, what Comer right. did, what Tom Burrell did. And how that changed, not just how business is done by black people, it changed how business is done in America. Yes. The whole idea of consume targeted marketing, you know, as opposed to just marketing all things to all people the same way. Right. The whole idea of, no, you can target marketing, which is the foundation of everything from podcasting to yeah. cable TV, to streaming video, to the streaming audio, that you can narrow target by segment. Yes. That was pioneered by John Johnson and subsequently Earl Graves, Ed Lewis, Tom Burrell, the black ad agencies and the black media companies that said, no, black people are not just brown skinned white people. Mm. That you can tailor your messaging. Yes. Like now we know all black people are alike. There's a way to tailor right. messaging for a black millennial. Right. That might right. be different right. from right. a baby boomer from the Caribbean that might be different from a first generation African immigrant. Who's mm-hmm. a generation. You know, you can't just say it's black so it's good, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, that concept was pioneered first by John Johnson and then subsequent generations that says, no, you need to appreciate the culture, the mindset, the lifestyle of individual consumers in order to design products, services, and your business to engage them. Mm-hmm. And that's everything from Amazon to Google to Facebook, especially Facebook advertising. What is it? It's your ability to literally target people in a very precise way. That's exactly what you said. Yeah. Being yeah, able to segment and clarify that message. Well, that wasn't accepted in Madison Avenue prior to the 1960s. Mm. That, that was a black, I mean, it was forced by political change, yeah. as well as economic change, as well as civil unrest. But the bottom line, the message got through, you got to talk to this particular segment differently than you talk to other segments. And, and what did that do? All that did was create more growth for American business as a whole. You know, they began realizing if you're designing a car for a suburban housewife, you got to have a different set of features and messaging than if you're designing it for a 20 year old college graduate who just wants to be fly for his girlfriend. Right. You know, <laughs> all those things that we now take for granted in terms of what it means to market was pioneered by black entrepreneurs who said, no, I understand my audience and here's how we got to present this if you want this to work. Brother, I love this, man. This is taking me back and reminding me that there are people who came before me that laid a path. And you're laying a path. I appreciate that, man. No, I'm saying that. the reason why we got to get into the habit of telling these stories is because if we don't tell the stories of those that came before us, mm-hmm. then there's not going to be a tradition of people telling the stories of what we've done. And our children right. and their children will be all the less for it. Yes. So, so it's not just about the individuals that we're celebrating. It's about continuing that oral history that goes back mm-hmm. to Africa, that goes back to the Caribbean, passing on these stories. So our kids and their kids wake up and say, yeah. I'm not starting from scratch. I'm building something. There's a blueprint. There's a pattern that I can adapt and innovate 
to make my contribution. And that's what human progress, not just black progress, human progress is all about. That's right. That's right, brother. Alfred, before I let you go, tell me what you have happening because Black Enterprise has some amazing things happening this year. Well, I want to point out three things you want to pay attention to. First one is coming up fast, the Women of Power Summit. Kamala Harris is going to be there. It's February 28th to March 2nd in Las Vegas. There's still time to register. Oh, we're doing the Michael Jackson Experience in Las Vegas, which is a major show in Vegas, a special show just for attendees of Women of Power. So you want to check that out. Another big event, we just created a partnership this past year with TD Jakes Enterprises, and we're launching a series of events called SOAR that's focused on unlimited income opportunities, wealth creation, and optimum health. Mm. There's one-day events. TD Jakes will be himself be speaking yet in Atlanta, along with everybody from Lamar Tyler of Traffic Sales and Profit, Coriel Dubose of Work, Pray, Slay, you know, Sharia Jackson, who you know is a relationship editor yes. and author of a Boss Bride. I mean, these are going to be powerhouse. Ash Cash, Ash Exantis, wow. um, Money Management are all coming together to talk about what do you do to really jumpstart your life to the life you dreamed of and what you want to achieve. And that's going to be in Atlanta on April 6th. Again, it's the SOAR Empowerment Series. And the registration for that is hot and heavy. You want to do that. And then I can give you the whole roster, but I'll stop it. <laughs> the Black Enterprise Entrepreneur Summit, which yes. is going to be in its 24th year. We're coming back to Charlotte, but we're rebranding it to now it's going to be called Forward. Wow. And it's going to when be. Is that? That's, and I want to say June 25th or June 28th. I'll confirm that. I'll make sure I put that up on our Please show. Go to blackenterprise.com. Click on events and all of our events you'll see. But those are the big three that are coming up next. I definitely want okay. people to come to Source. Our first one, we got, we're very excited about it. Forward is going to be off the chain. It was off the chain in Charlotte last year. It's going to be off the chain again this year. And maybe I'll come back on and we'll talk about Black Men Excel. All right. Into August too. But you definitely All, want to get to Always an honored VE Modern Man. VE Modern Man. That's our event. <laughs> our event. But ladies, we want you there too. So <laughs> That's right. You know, but you can learn about all of our events at, again, blackenterprise.com. You just click on events. You see the drop down and you can register. Registration is open for all the events. So you can register now for anyone you want. But I really want people to come to SOAR. We yes. think that's going to be really special. We're starting in Atlanta, but our goal is to take it to cities around the country and even to other countries over the next couple of years. So, wow. But Atlanta is wow. going to be the kickoff. It's going to be off the chain. We're looking to get at least 1,200 people there. Wow. Sounds hype. Good brother. Thank you so much, man. Again, I'll share up all the links to your social handles as well as the Black Enterprise events page for those listening. If you're driving, pay attention to the road. Everything you need will be on the show notes page. Right, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, you can follow Black Enterprise on all platforms. Same yes. Instagram, yes. Twitter, Facebook. We got a bunch of private groups that are worth joining, depending on what you're, whether you're Women of Power or Entrepreneur Summit. There's a great Black Men Excel private group that I think you're I'm in. I'm a uh, part of. Yeah, you're Absolutely. part of. Yes. All the, we try to get all the B modern men in if nobody else is there. That's right. But yeah, you don't have to crash your car. <laughs> you can... And for those listening that have not had a chance to be at a Black Enterprise event, I've been at a few. They're amazing. Should absolutely commit to attending at least one event this year. So, you won't regret it. You won't yeah. regret it. Alfred, always good talking to you, my brother. This is, I think this is your third time on the show. So you're definitely up there. Well, I'm glad. When you get invited back, you know you must do some <laughs> I'm just trying to stay in your good graces, man. That's right. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you. And God bless your family, man. 
I'm Steve Nehart, and you've been listening to the Trailblazers.fm podcast. If you're not yet doing so, consider following Trailblazers.fm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and feel free to connect with me over on LinkedIn. Whenever you're posting stories or social media posts about Trailblazers.fm, be sure to use the hashtag TBPod and hashtag Mission Fuel. We'll be able to see you and I'll be able to show some love. And in case you're not aware, our show notes for all our episodes can be found on our website over at TBPod.com. Now, if today was your first time listening, I just want to say big ups, enough respect for checking us out. You've made this Jamaican guy really happy that you're here with us today. And I'd love your help with keeping this black excellence flowing each and every week. So if you haven't yet subscribed, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search trailblazers.fm and subscribe, rate, and review us there. Be sure to browse through some of our past episodes. There are more than 150 published episodes now. And a little something is out there for everyone to help keep the knowledge flowing. We grow when you, as part of our Blazer Nation community, shares and invites your friends and family to listen to an episode you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories are going to be moved to make significant changes that have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern. Blaze Nation, go out today and find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail.